Afterthought on CKUW 95.9 FM. My name is Erica Weeb. And I'm Lynn Fernandez. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at afterthought, that's one word, at ckuw.ca. Hello, everybody. This is Lynn Fernandez. Today, I'm talking with my friends Jill Glover and Blair Hamilton. The three of us share an interest in genealogy, and we're going to explore the hows and whys of digging around in our family's past. Now, if you had told me three years ago that I was going to get into genealogy, I would not have believed it. I thought I knew all there was to know about my parents and grandparents and didn't know if it would be particularly interesting to go into, to go any further back. Um, I am, when all is said and done, a common enough person from a common enough background. I would have thought, you know, a long line of regular, quite boring people doing regular, boring things. Now, what piqued my interest is when my sister, who had done a bit of poking around, told Jill, who, um, as you will learn, has been bitten by the genealogy bug, uh, when, when my sister Julie told Jill that she had tried to find out when my maternal grandmother and grandfather had gotten married and that she had hit a dead end. Now Julie, my sister, had found a woman with the same name as my grandmother who had married a man with a Dutch name in Carlisle, England, where she was from. Given that the man was not her grandfather, my sister assumed this woman was not my grandmother and gave up. Now, we learned that you cannot say give up to Jill. She takes that as a challenge, which she took up. She showed us that there was no doubt that our grandmother had married this Dutch fellow named Antonia Springer, whom we had never heard of. She also showed that after World War I, he returned to Manitoba, where he had been living before the war, and that my grandmother followed a year later. Now, when I learned that, I was hooked. Who was this Antonia Springer? Could he actually have been our grandfather? When did our grandmother meet the man who we understood to be our grandfather? Was it in England? Was it in Canada? Did our grandmother divorce Antonius? Did she ever actually marry our grandfather? Was our mother born out of wedlock? I mean, not that we cared, but um, she sure would have. So what we learned in some was that my family was far from boring. Now, Jill also found out that my grandfather had been living in Manitoba since 1904 and that he had joined the Canadian Forestry Battalion in 1916 to go overseas. Uh, we had no clue about any of this. So when you, when you learn that everything you thought you understood about your family is is not everything, but many things are wrong, You something shifts in your mind, you think, I, if I don't understand where my family came from, do I understand who I am? And that's how I got started, and I suspect that Jill and Blair have equally interesting stories. And so I'm going to start um, asking some questions to see if we can find out what got them hooked. Um, so my question is, why did you decide to explore the genealogy of your family and why do you think it matters? Blair, could you go first with that question? 
I think for some people, you know, they have a particular reason, whether it's you know, medical research or an inheritance or, or a particularly uh, family mystery that they're trying to track down. But I, I think those are, are, you know, the exception rather than the rule. I think for most people who get involved in genealogy, it's just, you know, kind of a natural curiosity in, in where they come from. But it, it also tends to be, I think, people who have a, a predisposition towards an interest in history. I, I think those are the people who find it fascinating. And so you never know really what you're going to, um, you know, find when you start looking. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of leads you down the rabbit holes. And that's, you also, I think, have to have a bit of a mind uh, kind of person who likes puzzles, you know, and doing things systematically and ruling things out. And, you know, like it's detective work in a certain sense. So if you like Sudoku, you know, this, this might be the hobby for you. Um, we used to have a story in my family about my, my grandmother coming over, like, and then she just, she was scheduled to sail on the titanic um and just missed it and you know there but for the grace of god we'd all be at the bottom of the sea um of course it, it, as it turned out it wasn't true they, they they emigrated to canada the same year that the titanic sank so that became this this family legend right um but you hear a story like that and you think oh you know isn't that interesting and if, if you if you have that kind of predilection you, you want to look more into it you know and you and you, and you dive a little deeper and uh, for me, you know, I know we'll get to it with other questions. There were there were things that, that kind of caught my interest, but um, yeah, I just kind of started wanting to know more about about the past and and where we fit into that. I think that's really interesting what you said that that I don't know why it didn't occur to me those things that you said because I love history and I don't know why it didn't occur to me that there was you know a connection between my my ancestors and history because of course they lived history they lived World War one they immigrated here why why I didn't connect those dots I'm not sure because now that I've got the bug that's exactly what I'm doing I'm delving into so much history Jill, what about you? How 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 did you get started? Well, I I think I'm on sort of two different levels, and I'm not too. Sh I, well, I think I do know which came first, but uh, I'll go to the second uh, bit first, actually. And that is, it was not so much deciding that I wanted to uh, research my family history and add people to a tree, uh, but I did discover that I actually could. And uh, that, um, that this information was available. And uh, it was probably oh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, reading a magazine and seeing, a, um, uh, seeing an advertisement uh, for, for, the, for Ancestry, the, you know, the, the massive uh, yes, yeah. uh, database. And um, I don't know, just something to, you know, switched on and I grabbed the, uh, the iPad and uh, uh, very easily, you know, found the website, popped my grandfather's name in, and lo and behold, I found out um, I found him. And I thought, well, that's uh, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, but there must have been something sort of percolating before that, because I actually do have a, a notebook that I've kept uh, that I took with me on a um, on a college holiday in 2010. So that would have been prior to this, and. Um, I don't know what was going on in my life at that particular time, but for some reason I felt as though I wanted to start writing, uh, out, writing down what so, what I was, what I could remember about my early years, and um, so I was jotting down all these odds and ends in sort of no particular order, and then I did kind of um, uh, draw a family tree, and uh, and I found that. Um, 
interesting in that, well, I learned very quickly. I really didn't know very much about my family at all, beyond, you know, they sort of, they, the ones I grew up with, my mother and father, uh, I knew the names of grandparents, but never knew grandparents. Uh, I knew of siblings of my, um, of my parents um, uh, by name and occasionally we got together. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I had so little information. And anyway, so I, now that I had discovered uh, that you can um, uh, learn things, um, I, I just kind of jumped on and uh, never looked back. But, but, then it, but to explain that further, I obviously had in my mind that there was something or some things that I wanted to find out. And that's uh, specifically to do with um, uh, things that I was told as a child and, and growing up, things that were true, apparently. Uh, but then doubt came into mind. And so that uh, I felt that I really wanted to find out uh, whether these stories were, uh, just like the Titanic story, uh, whether they were actually true or not. Yeah. So, uh, and I think uh, many of us have got those sort of, st I think if ever, anybody listening can uh, probably think that they, well, they've heard stuff about them. I wonder if that's true. Does that, does that actually make sense? I mean, I think a lot of us have got that. And in my case, I guess I didn't question it for, there's things I just didn't question. And, yeah, well, uh, you don't, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, um, well, I, I guess my problem, what happened to me is I was ridiculed. Can you believe that? Uh, because... Uh, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> who would ridicule you? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, well, my husband, uh, who, uh, because I uh, announced something that I knew to be true for, I'd known to be true for 50-odd years or, or more, uh, that uh, my great-grandfather had invented the plow. <laughs> 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 and it was uh, seemed uh, it reasonable. Was, uh, yeah, I beg your pardon. It seemed reasonable. Well, I well that that's what I was told, and I had a, his scrapbook to to prove it, right? And um, but anyway, uh, but it was suggested that that was highly unlikely. The plow <laughs> being <laughs> being around for somewhat longer. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a wonderful. It was a really interesting process to unravel uh, that story and I can certainly understand uh, why it uh, it was a story at all and believed to be true and it wasn't just to clarify he I, I did have a relative an ancestor who invented uh, a plow but it was a steam plow in the mid 1800s and uh, yeah well interesting enough yes but he also right. was my great-grandfather that was the other part of the problem yeah yeah <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, oh, but this is it. I mean, the 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 stories that we hear have been passed down through generations, and they get twisted and turned and altered. And um, has anything like that happened with you, Blair, when you've been poking around? Well, all kinds of interesting things to find. I mean, I you know when we talk about being ridiculed, and I mean, I, I open myself up to some embarrassment when I uh, I was cheating actually on ancestry, and I I found someone who shared a, a common ancestor and kind of cribbed off their research it turns out it was flawed research and there was one woman who had the name of someone else in history and for about three weeks i was sure i was directly descended from robert the bruce and, and so like all the way back to the first case 
I was walking pretty tall for a week or so. Uh, but but then when I actually went to, to source it out and you know cross index and check all it, it, it turned out not to be true. So there was there was uh, uh, some humility involved in that. Um, you know, so you, you have to you have to go into it with a curiosity, but also with discipline, I yeah, guess. Yeah, for um, sure. And we're you know, we're going to talk it, about uh, that um, when we get into a little more of the technical side, because that's that's a good story. That's a good lesson that you learned. Learn. Um, and and Jill has been um, you know expounding that same sentiment with me ever since she's gotten you know has been helping me along. You've got to check. You've got to double check. Don't take things for granted. So we're going to talk a little more about how you do that uh, to later on in the interview. Um, but w what is the the most surprising thing, Jill, and or interesting thing so far? So far, because it never ends. That that you've learned about your your. Um, I knew that I had four grandparents. We all have four grandparents, and um, and had made the assumption uh, that uh, they were. Um, to clarify, I was born and brought up in the northeast of England, um, <clears throat> with uh, with a Scottish um, heritage, and um, and I had assumed. Um, that all four grandparents were, were Scottish. And uh, so fairly, fairly quickly I discovered that that was not the case. And in fact, I can't say it's the most important grandparent. It isn't the most important grandparent. They're all equal, but uh, the one that whose name I have carried down, uh, that, that name came uh, from a place that I'd never even heard of. Uh, a place, a small market town in the East Midlands uh, called Castle Dunnington. And that just opened up just a whole new pleasurable line of research that, uh, you know, we're talking about living history and, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just wonderful to kind of discover a, a brand new place and, and end up eventually being able to visit it. And, uh, yeah, so that, uh, that was one of the things. Um, I don't know if you want, do you want me to throw in a, another one now. Sure, throw in yeah. another one and then we'll turn it over to Blair. Yeah, okay. So I guess the other thing was um, um, my, my, so continuing with my grandfather's, and it is the Glover grandfather, um, I had understood, I'd been told, that um, my, my dad was born in 1919, and I'd understood that uh, his father had died when my dad was just six weeks old and that his mother had died when my dad was six years old. I've had it in my, in my mind for, for years, for decades, uh, but that wasn't true. Um, certainly not to, uh, in regards to the, to the death of the grandmother, uh, but uh, indeed, um, Granddad Glover uh, did die when my dad was only six years old. My dad was born in this house, and six weeks later, he uh, the dad died. And so um, it made me question, you know, what did he die of? He was young; he was forty. And so I sent. Uh, I think that was probably the first death certificate that I'd sent away for from for, and um, and that was a bit of. Um, uh, a shock uh, to discover that, uh, and I'm actually, I'm just reading directly from it. So the cause of death was injury self-inflicted by a razor whilst in a depressed state of mind. Oh, and, and, and that, it totally turns you upside down. It does. Yeah. And so, and granddad has got, uh, he, he keeps me busy and I'm glad to, because I want to um, 
Film Second. Yes, that's a nice that's a nice sentiment, for sure. Blair? Well, I guess you know one of the things that really um, uh, has become a theme in my research is is the uh, I have three different ancestors who came as part of the Home Children movement, which. Um, you know, for those who, who might not be familiar, between about 1870 and the 1930s, there were 100,000 children of the British Empire who were sent to Canada. And, you know, in our political circles, of course, we talk about the evils of colonization and we hear about it, you know, finally from the Indigenous perspective now in kind of articles. But um, genealogy gives you the kind of the colonizers, the mechanics of how colonization happened. And, and it's not all, you know, people drinking tea with their pinky extended and, and, you know, telling people go here and there. There are a lot of poor people and orphans, quite frankly, uh, who, who were brought over as labor and, and sent out to, to do the work of the empire. Uh, and so I, there's a, a lot of that. And, and uh, it's been fascinating to, to unpack that whole movement. There was a bit of a, a political reckoning where they opened the records up. And so there's all kinds of, of uh, tidbits. Uh, but, but let me just summarize that by saying it's, you can see the, uh, the origins of the Victorian child welfare system laid bare and, and how it relates to our current child welfare system and also some linkages to, to how residential schools were structured. All, all those parallels, you know, you can kind of see them if you're looking for them, right? Uh, so it's a different it's a different way to relate personally to something that is in my experience, but but it was, you know, kind of an ancestor's experience inflicted upon other people. Uh, so that, that, that's been a, a bit of an eye opener. I think that's that's just fascinating that you, you know, in finding out that bit of history about your own family, how that has helped you understand better the history of nation building in this country. So, it, and, and that is what I think is so fascinating about doing this work. I mean, I think for, for all of us, and I've had my own sort of journeys through uh, looking back through some of the history as well, um, our our. our there's always interesting times, there's always trials and tribulations and, and adversity and our ancestors will have gone through all that and, and, and the fact that they've gone through some of that is, is also has contributed to who and what we are today. I think both as a society but also I think it has affected us as individuals. Um, I'm kind of, a, I am a bit of a believer in, in, in how um, even though something may have happened a, a couple of generations ago, it has it, it can still impact us today, and um, and and that's that's why I, I, I'm continually astounded that I did not I did not see how rich this research could be, um, and it, until I actually got into it because it, it just seems like a no brainer. You are going to learn about history, things in history that you did not know about. You're going to learn about places that you did not know about. You may even be lucky enough to go visit these places. Uh, and I, I mean, I have done that on, on my grandfather's side. And it, 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 does, it just makes life way more interesting when you've got this conduit, when you've got this sort of, you can open up this window into this world that before didn't exist. Um, I, and I did not know, even talking to you, Blair, I did not know about, about this history of Canada. So even talking to other people who've looked into it, you learn about their families. It, it, it just, it, it, it's so insightful. Um, so, so, Blair, um, I don't know if you've already answered it, but can you say any more about how it changed the way you, sit, you, you, know, you see your family history? 
Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you have to kind of sit with this information for a while and reflect on it. It's, it's not enough just to learn it. Um, you know, everyone's got a story and there's always some pain, suffering and privation involved in it, right? I mean, uh, because that, those are just the times. So anyone who's come to Canada or his family has come to Canada has a, a story of hardship. Um, and it wasn't until I started comparing and contrasting. Like, so when my great-grandfather came, he, he they uh, changed his name from... Where did he come from? Where? where did he come he, from? He, he, was a, he was a street urchin in Manchester of Irish background. Um, and he was snatched up. His parents were still living, and some, some guy in a top hat decided that wasn't a fit environment for him. So he was packed off through the Bernardo's uh, orphanage uh, here. And they, they changed his name from Michael to Mitchell, and they changed the spelling of his surname because it was too Catholic. And so he became a Protestant, later joined the Orange Lodge, you know, which kind of is a kind of a whole <laughs> shift in direction for the family. Big shift. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it's, you know, there were some things that he experienced or that whole system put upon people that you can, like I was saying earlier, it's not the same as the residential school experience, but you can see the same architects were, were designing it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then you start thinking, well, what are the differences? And that's what really kind of was the moment the epiphany for me is you know my great-grandfather for whatever he endured he got to be 21 he got 200 dollars, and he could go to winnipeg as a as a you know a boating free male and have a job and and uh, move about he didn't have to go to an indian agent and get uh, you know papers to travel in this country he didn't get turned away from jobs uh because of the way he looked right um you know so he, he suffered discrimination as a catholic i guess uh he, he uh the upper class say this is where you need to be in this other country whether you like it or not but we look a couple generations down the line our family's not been working class we're not rich we don't we don't own property as such uh, but we benefited from that kind of colonial experience and if, if i just focused on the hardship that he endured i'd say i could say well yeah okay people you know who, who have gone through the residential school experience well my family did did too you know and, and i could leave it at that and that would be kind of a superficial analysis it's not until you start saying, oh, wait, wait a minute, you know, it plays out a little bit differently in the long game. And so that, to me, was, was like, oh, okay, you know, there are some similarities that help me to empathize. But, but it really is, you know, I really have enjoyed uh, a quality of life thanks to partly the, 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 uh, uh, the sacrifices of my ancestors, but partly just because of who we were in, in, in the context of this whole colonial structure. So it's, it's uh, yeah, you, you, can, you can get inside your own head pretty deep on this stuff. You sure can, yeah. So yeah, because quite clearly, what the, the what is what it exemplified is, is is what we all know in terms of how, how it's just harder to go through life as as a BIPOC person than it is as a white person, right? Even it doesn't matter what, what how low class you are, um, there's still you you still have some advantages that BIPOC people will never have. Um, Jill, what about you? Does it, did it change the way you saw your family history? Or does it cha change the way you understand your family when you started poking around? Um, I, I fear I don't think I can give that uh, a particularly full answer, mainly because I, um, the family was in itself small um and uh, and i didn't uh, I, I just knew so little uh, and so everything that i learned was new so it wasn't changing i guess it was um i guess the what was changed was inside me thinking oh yes you know um i'm you know i there's a lot of history uh, that, uh, that that's behind me, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so which I've never given any thought to before. 
so I, I, um, uh, so, you know, I just, I guess I just feel very much part of these people that came before in some way or another. Yes, you've got a connection that you didn't have before. Yeah. yeah. And a yeah. continuum and it, uh, it, it makes things easier, you know, and uh, you think, well, because you're, you're always reminded uh, of, um, uh, of the, of the, 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 the life is infinite. No, it isn't. The other one. Finite. Finite. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yes, and that feels better because, you know, in some way, you know, because um, you move on to move on. Yeah, yeah, you're just part of that cycle. I just continue yeah, to keep before yeah. you. Yeah. I, I know in my in my case, as I said, I, I, I don't know why I thought that my 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 family was boring. I don't know where I got that from except that um, thinking about my maternal grandparents, I did I I didn't know them that well. My grandmother died when I was fairly young and I think a lot of a lot of the the, the issue was seeing it through the lens seeing them through the lens of a child or a young person when these, they just seemed like these boring old people, you know, that I had nothing in common with. And now as a mature adult, I realized, oh boy, I think I had a lot in common with these people, or I wish I could ask all these questions. You know, my, my grandmother turns out to be way more interesting than I thought she was. Um, I mean, in, in terms of her being quite rebellious, obviously, or doing what would have been fairly unconventional things uh, for a woman, an immigrant woman living in the 1920s. Uh, to leave one man and, and run off with another because they did end up going uh, to Alberta, which is where I was born. And, um, and then also learning more about her parents who were, um, you know, very working class English people who lived in, in Carlisle and were affiliated with the primitive Methodist church, which I had never heard of before. And I didn't understand what that meant, and I learned that. So you look into the history of that and what it means, and the primitive Methodists were, were working-class Methodists who were very connected to trade unionism and socialism, and so they were quite, it was quite a progressive church, which, of course, made me happy, um, given, given my uh, political tendencies. I was, I was happy to learn that. And, uh, and also just to learn more about, about this forestry battalion and the role that they played in, in World War I. Uh, when my grandfather went overseas, so there was all. Uh, I just I see I, I see my family quite differently than I did before, so I'm. I think uh, we've come to the end, getting close to the end of our first session, and uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, Blair and Jill for for getting us started off on this conversation. I I personally found it find it super interesting, and I think there's some more stuff that we want to look at. So I think we've got another half hour here that we're going to do a part two um, to this uh, to to this interview. And we want to talk a bit more about um, how the rest of your family responded to the information that you found out and, and other, we've hinted here at some of the historical events, but maybe we can delve a little deeper into that. And then I would like to ask also if you could give some tips to people to how to sort of get started and what resources are out there to help people do this research. So uh, thanks, uh, Jill and Blair, and we will be back soon to do part two. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Afterthought on CKUW 95.9 FM and as a podcast on Spotify and Apple. Today, Lynn has been talking to Blair Hamilton and Jill Glover about their practices related to genealogy and uncovering 
their own families' histories and what that says about their own places in history. Uh, make sure you tune in for part two of this conversation next week.